You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. trusty, if not talented, host of the program, fresh from BamaOnline.com, where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama-affiliated website there on the 247sports.com network. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. No stocking is complete without Peter Brook Chocolatier. I'm just saying, that's all. So make sure you get by there, get all your stocking goodies, get all your holiday treats right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 minute of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, you ready for some more Steelers matinee weekday football? I bet you're excited, aren't you? I am. Um, I can't legally watch this game but i will find a way uh <laughs> i i guarantee you i do not miss the steelers mm-hmm. game but uh yeah excited little stressed washington brings the defense but I, I still feel pretty good about our chances of getting to 12 and now all those bama guys on that bama deep on that uh that washington defense i almost said it i almost said the r word um but Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Sean Dion Hamilton i guess Landon Collins is out for the year he's hurt I he believe is, he, he uh, tore his uh, Achilles. Achilles, yeah. So uh, that'll be interesting this afternoon. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as we talked about last week, they've kind of become the Chicago Cubs of my youth. You know, I can count on the Steelers these days. I can I can turn on the cable or, as Jacob said, I guess figure out some way to watch the game if, if it's not available to you uh, via cable or satellite. And I can find the Steelers on weekdays at like 2 o'clock now, you know. And it's good for the 72 Dolphins because you know those 72 Dolphins, the last undefeated team in the National Football League back in 1972, you know they're rooting hard against those Steelers at this point. And so for a lot of those guys getting up there in years a little bit, they can watch these games on like Monday afternoon and then still make it to the Piccadilly in time for dinner. And then they're in bed by 7 Works out good for those 72 Dolphins as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. It is a winners and losers Monday, although the sports weekend, it doesn't seem like the sports weekend ever ends these days because we've got two Monday football games in the National Football League today. We've got a Tuesday game, Tuesday night game, with the Cowboys and the Ravens tomorrow night. So, look, it just all bleeds into each other now. I'm not complaining. I kind of like the continuous cycle of live sporting events. And then you've got basketball with the college hoops kicking in. Uh, we are fresh, of course, from a road trip to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We'll get into that as we move throughout the program. I made that late call on Friday, Jacob. Actually went to the game. I talked about this on the show a little bit. Friday, I was pretty much in that direction of making the trip down. And then I just went all in. And uh, the two daughters made the trip they had never been to baton rouge never been to lsu so i said all right let's do it because the ticket man unlike any other time i can ever recall 
Now, there have been some games I've been to in Baton Rouge where the tickets weren't that hard to come by. 94, I went down uh, for that game. That was expected to be an Alabama uh, blowout win. It played out that way. Tickets weren't all that hard to come by. 2002 went down. And uh, you had Dennis Francione uh, capping his brief tenure here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, really laying the lumber to Nick Saban and LSU at Tiger Stadium that night 18 years ago. Tickets weren't exactly at a premium for that one. But when you talk about in the Saban era, especially at Alabama, uh, they've been tough. I mean, his first game back down there in 2008, that was definitely a tough ticket. 2010, maybe not so much. Uh, that was an Alabama team that had already lost a game to South Carolina. Uh, LSU was solid not necessarily a, a contender, national championship contender that year. But when you look at 12 and you look at 14 and 16 and most recently 2018, the game down there a couple of years ago, tough ticket, not so much on Saturday night. I ended up getting four together on about the 20-yard line for underface value from the StubHub man. And not only that, but putting together a quick trip for Alabama LSU in Baton Rouge, you're able to get hotel rooms on Saturday, day of the game, in Baton Rouge, a double queen suite at the old Holiday Inn Express was 120 a night for game night in Baton Rouge. With Alabama in town, not South Carolina, you know, not Mississippi State from back at the end of September. This is for Alabama. Made dinner reservations at Rafino's. For 4.30 for the girls and myself. Of course, Rufino's, uh, founded by Ruffin Rodrigue, the former LSU offensive lineman who tragically passed away just a couple weeks ago at the age of like 54. Played with Tommy Hodson and those guys on those uh, mid-ish 80s LSU team. So we went by. We are able to go right in, have an Italian dinner at 4.30, Cruise over to Tiger Stadium. No traffic, really. Now, Tiger Stadium, if you've ever been there, especially for an Alabama game, there are really no rules when it comes to traffic. I actually saw a traffic officer Saturday night at LSU. I think that's the first time I've ever encountered encountered a, tra- a traffic official of any kind. I mean, it's like New Delhi driving the streets of Baton Rouge on a game night, usually. It's just anything goes. There's stoplights, and they they cycle, and when it's time to go, you go. When it's time to stop, you stop. You've got people trying to do all kinds of things, vehicular, that are probably not legal. Uh, but there really wasn't much traffic. Parked right next to the stadium. We walk right in at like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock kickoff, a little after 7. Sit right down, about 30 rows up. There you go. And it was on the field, what a lot of folks anticipated. That 29-and-a-half-point spread didn't seem so big, did it? When it was 45-14 to 14 at the half? Wow. Interesting, too, that Alabama was down four assistants for the game. We talked about that possibility on Friday here on the program. It played out that way. I get to the seats, and it's pregame, and Alabama's coming out going to go through their positional drills, those type of things. And there's Charlie Strong. He's he's coaching the outside linebacker. Sal Sanceri didn't make the trip. Carl Scott, cornerback's coach, didn't make the trip. So I'm trying to piece together who exactly is filling these spots. Charlie Strong was an obvious one there at outside linebacker. Um, with Carl Scott out, it looked like Nick Perry working with Charles Kelly in the secondary. Nick Perry, an analyst, former Alabama safety. Now, there's so many support staffers, even with on-the-field assistant coaches out, it's still a little bit hard to figure it out. It looked like Jake Long was working with the defensive line uh, with Freddie Roach not making the trip. You had Holman Wiggins out at the wide receiver spot, but it didn't matter. Nick Saban made the trip, and so did uh, pretty much uh, his entire roster, it seemed, as Alabama avenges last year's defeat here in Tuscaloosa with a 38-point win on the road. Devontae Smith, another career outing, his fourth 200-yard performance of his Alabama career's fourth in, what, the last two years. 
know, not even two complete seasons. And you hear the calls for Devontae Smith to be very much included in a big part of the Heisman Trophy race, and I'm 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 down with it. I'm good with it. When you talk about all-around football players, which is what the award is supposed to be about, I don't know how you go against Devontae Smith right now. Unfortunately for Devontae, as we also know, it has essentially become the varsity award version of the Davey O'Brien. Okay? That's what the award is. You got the Davey O'Brien, you got the Johnny Unitas type awards for quarterbacks, and then you've got the biggest quarterback award of them all, the Heisman Trophy. That's what it is. And so when you see adjusted odds in Vegas for Heisman Trophy candidates here in the last 24 hours, it's not Devontae Smith from Alabama that goes to the top of the list. It was Mac Jones, and Mac was great. He was outstanding. Between Mac Jones, the protection he got, and Devontae Smith doing it in every aspect of wide receiver play because we always talk about or you always hear about Devontae Smith on the 66-yarders and the 61-yarders and the explosive plays. But, man, he does it in every phase of receiver play, not just on the ball either, not just with the ball in his hands. He does it as a blocker. You know, he's a, he is a great teammate in terms of, you know, there's a lot of guys out there when they know it's not their number and they need to maybe clear out a zone or they're sort of running interference, they'll mail it in just enough that it sort of tips off a defense or they put that on tape enough that defenses kind of anticipate it when it's coming. Not Devontae Smith, man. Devontae Smith runs every route like he's going to get every target, and he probably should because he still gets a lot of targets. But Steve Sarkeesian continues to work his wizardry, route concepts, and some of this stuff you're starting to see from Alabama on a weekly basis now. It's like, hey, we put this on tape with Jalil Billingsley just last week catching a touchdown pass against Auburn pretty much come back to the same play Saturday night against LSU and ends up he was covered better by Auburn than he was by LSU on Saturday night. Nobody took him on that crossing route, that sort of cross that he and John Mechie run. Three guys for LSU went with Mechie. No one went with uh, Jalil Billingsley, and so he catches his second touchdown pass in as many weeks. But a dominant performance offensively from start to finish really – Alabama following the M.O. of Alabama teams from the past. And once again, this season, taking the fourth quarter clock via the run game. Defensively, there were just enough hiccups to open some of those old wounds that Alabama fans have, dating back to primarily that Ole Miss game. You had a couple of busts there back-to-back in the second quarter that paved the way for explosive play touchdowns, even though Kayshawn Boutte dropped the mail about a yard short, it ontended up going for a touchdown. Jontre Kirkland, give him the heads-up play of the night, right? Picking up that ball there at the goal line, getting credited with that touchdown. And then John Emery hit the right side of the Alabama defense on the very next possession for a 54-yard touchdown run. Emery also had a 20-yarder in the second quarter. But those three plays were really the extent of the success of the LSU offense on the night. When you talk about third down, you talk about fourth down, 19 conversion plays for LSU in the game, just six that they were able to successfully make good on. So still a lot of good things from this Alabama defense, but but just enough with those busts. Guys running wide open, guys running almost interference-free. Uh, for some big plays to uh, to heighten that concern, ramp that concern back up maybe for some Alabama fans. Pass rush was good. Five sacks, got it from different levels of the defense, linebacker level, defensive line. Josh Job, he came on a few of those corner cats the other night. They busted the corner cat on the touchdown play involving Boutte and Kirkland. But they had some success with it. 
when he had a sack there in the second half of T.J. Finley. I thought both the young quarterbacks for LSU were pretty good. You know, they were pretty poised in the face of what they were and what they have been encountering since the injury to Miles Brennan back in week two. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, and I like T.J. Finley. I think T.J. Finley is a legit Power 5 starter with the upside to perhaps play at the next level. But Max Johnson and watching LSU a little bit more and more with each passing week, I like Max Johnson, the left-hander. He came in, and I understand the game's over. I, I get all that. But Alabama still had most, if not all, of its starters out there. It was still at times bringing five guys in terms of its pressure looks. Max Johnson, if he's not the guy at LSU in 2021, if the decision is made that Miles Brennan isn't the guy, that TJ Finley is the guy, uh, you could see a couple of quarterbacks leave that roster. Going to be interesting to see how O plays that. But I think Max Johnson, if he does end up somewhere else, Son of Brad Johnson, this guy's got a chance to be a really, really good Power 5 starter somewhere else, if it is an LSU. Going to head to our first break, and we come back. Winners and losers on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Your phone calls at 205-342-9904 as well. Back with more of Southern Fried Sports on a Monday right after this. Cool and breezy today with a sunny sky behind 52. We go below freezing late tonight, clear with a low at 30. Then a warming trend tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow 56, the high Wednesday at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And to the surprise of absolutely no one, the aforementioned Devontae Smith is your SEC Offensive Player of the Week. You think? After going for seven catches for 219 yards and three scores in the first half alone Saturday night. I think uh, D. Smith had that one on ice before he came back out for the third quarter kickoff, you think? And how about Devontae Smith since the injury to Jalen Waddell early on in that Tennessee game back on October the 24th? Now, in that game, Devontae, modest, seven catches, 73 yards, but in the four games since, here's what the numbers have looked like. Mississippi State, 11 catches, 203 yards, four touchdowns. Kentucky, nine catches, 144, two touchdowns. Auburn, seven catches, 171, two touchdowns. And then, of course, Saturday night in Baton Rouge, eight catches, 231, three touchdowns. So the last four games... Devontae Smith has caught 11 touchdown passes. <laughs> and he now leads FBS receivers in touchdown grabs with 15. He's one behind Amari Cooper's single season mark 
for touchdown grabs back in 2014. So, again, as we have talked about, we had this discussion with Cecil Hurt last week in relation to the games for December the 12th, which we now know Alabama and Arkansas will kick off Saturday morning in Fayetteville at 11 a.m., which I think is about as preferred a kickoff time as you could get if you're Alabama and you're going to have to play on the 12th. Get in, get out. You know, get out of Tuscaloosa Regional in the mid to late afternoon on Friday. Get into Fayetteville. Play the game. Be home by, well, might be a little after dark. We lost our daylight savings time. But, you know, Devontae, Najee Harris. Najee was great again on Saturday night. 145 on 21. Three touchdowns of his own. And these are guys that are chasing these all-time marks. And Devontae Smith is chasing Amari Cooper for career receptions and career receiving yards. He's already got him in touchdown grabs. Uh, Same for Najee with Derrick Henry, getting very close now, under 200 yards away from surpassing Derrick Henry is Alabama's all-time leading rusher. Also, a couple of touchdown rushes away from Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram in terms of career rushing scores. So, These are some of the things you've got in play as you head to Fayetteville, Arkansas on Saturday, and you still got Florida, you know. You've got a minimum of three games left for this season. So Najee Harris and Devontae Smith looking good in terms of some major milestones that they're still uh, in pursuit of. 205-342-9904 is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. Hey, it is winners and losers, and we are talking wide receivers so, Jacob, how about Henry Ruggs third late against the New York Jets yesterday? How about that? How about Greg with three Gs? We've said it before on the show. It's always the Gregs with three Gs. You know, it's not the Gregs with two Gs. It's the Gregs that have the extra G on the end that seem to be problematic. Greg Williams dials up a blitz with man-to-man coverage and – it's not even a situation where the Raiders can kick a field goal to tie the game. They have to get in the end zone. The one thing you cannot give up with under 15, 10 seconds left in the game and up four is a touchdown. And they bring the zero blitz at Derek Carr. And there goes Henry Ruggs down the left sideline looking like Devontae Smith against LSU Saturday night, ah, and the Raiders pull it out. I think I saw where Greg Williams, by the way, has been relieved of his duties in Gotham. Look, I think a lot of people would tell you Greg Williams did the Jets a favor. I mean, the Jets were trying to screw up the number one pick there for a minute. I can tell you as a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, I was I was happy. I was probably as crushed as anyone about that Jets Uh, about the potential for that Jets win yesterday. Meanwhile, our Jacksonville Jaguars, once again, with a quality loss, as we like to call it, quality loss, in that the Jags take the Vikings to overtime before falling by a field goal. You know, gave you a reason to watch the game, kept it close, took it to overtime, but in the end, maintained that status with the number two overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolate to your studio line. I uh, see where South Carolina, according to the Athletic, has hired Shane Beamer as the Gamecocks next head football coach. I can see that. I can see where South Carolina is going with this hire on a couple of different levels. Uh does it move the needle around the rest of the SEC? You know, is Dan Mullen, is Kirby Smart over there in the SEC East thinking, you know, it's going to get tougher with South Carolina. I got Shane Beamer in there. No, I don't think that's probably the immediate reaction to the hire. But from a financial standpoint, Shane Beamer isn't going to cost you five mil plus a year. Not that South Carolina was going to attract probably that kind of head coaching candidate anyway, but you just paid or you're paying 
Will Muschamp in excess of $13 million to go away. That's before you factor in his staff as a part of that number. And I've made the comparison before when there's been talk of Shane Beamer, or there had been talk of Shane Beamer in relation to this South Carolina job. If you're South Carolina, if you're Ray Tanner, you can sort of sell this, maybe not publicly, but when you get asked about it, this is sort of a Dabo Sweeney-like hire because the first questions you have about Shane Beamer is, well, where's the coordinator experience? You know, has this guy coordinated an offense or a defense? He has not. He is not. He is currently an assistant head coach and tight ends coach uh, at Oklahoma. So he's not going to bring that. But, again, you draw the comparison, you make the analogy to Dabo Sweeney. Never had the coordinator experience. High-energy guy, uh, motivator type, going to be able to recruit to an optimum level at a place where – it's not easy to recruit to South Carolina. There isn't, uh, well, there's just not the population base to begin with in the state of South Carolina. So there's not going to be enough upper-level SEC talent on an annual basis for you to sort of compete for championships on a consistent basis in the SEC at South Carolina. Now, at Clemson, you know, Dabo has got that thing where it's national. You know, obviously, it's a CFP caliber roster on an annual basis. But being in the ACC, he had a little bit more of a grace period to work with. Now, you, you can be very competitive in the ACC quickly if you recruit at sort of a above average level. That's not going to get you there in South Carolina. But I can see where sort of those comparisons could be made. That's how you try to sell it. You also are financially res- uh, being financially responsible in making that kind of hire. It's a big we'll see hire. Who knows? I mean, maybe he turns out to be Dabo. Maybe he's just an extension of what South Carolina already had in Will Muschamp. But I'm also guessing similar to like Ed Ogeron at LSU, in hiring Beamer at the price tag, you're going to be able to do it. It gives you some more capital capital, capital, capital to build sort of a fortress of a staff around Shane Beamer as well. We're going to head to a break. We come back more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. If you haven't figured it out by now, today's playlist theme is Queens. We're doing Queens of music, popular music, of soul, country, and uh, some good old-fashioned rock and roll coming up to close out the program. When we'll throw some uh, Janice at you, a little Dolly, a little Aretha. And then we'll just come with some Janis Joplin, you know, bring the hammer late in the program. We're talking winners and losers on this Monday morning. The LSU Tigers now at three and five. Where do you go if you're LSU at this point? We talked about the quarterback situation. So that's a that's a positive for this LSU program moving forward. I think between Brennan, if he comes back, uh, Finley, what you've seen has been promising. And I like Max Johnson. I like Max Johnson because there's energy in the pocket when he's in there. Ball comes out quick. He's decisive. He's also a better athlete, I think, 
than Miles Brennan and TJ Finley. So I don't think it's going to be similar to say what Kirby had to do or what he did do or didn't do with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm, but he's going to have a quality option or two left, you would think. Going to be a crazy year with the transfer situation. I mean, it had already been building up to this, but when you consider for guys at that position especially, that it's a free year in terms of eligibility, and you're going to have the one-time transfer rule coming into effect, it's going to be a free agency market in college football, you got to think, unlike any we've seen to this point. So LSU starts at the quarterback position. Kayshawn Butte, the freshman wide receiver, showed you some real good things. Saturday night, there is uh, talent, depth at the running back position. Got to get those lines of scrimmage figured out. And you would think with the level at which LSU is recruiting, they should be able to do that. But as much as Devontae Smith was a big, big problem for LSU defensively, In the last two games, really, I thought Alabama's offensive line play on Saturday night was as dominant against an LSU defense as I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, it started, it didn't take a while to get Najee Harris going. It didn't take a while to figure out that LSU was going to struggle with a four-man pass rush to get to Mac Jones, and even if it brought extra guys It didn't seem to matter much. So the lines of scrimmage. Alabama's defensive line, I thought, played well. You had the fourth and one stop there in the first quarter. Fedarian Mathis, DJ Dale doing a nice job inside. But Will Anderson drops down in a four-point stance and absolutely, absolutely stuns right tackle Austin Deculus for LSU. I don't think Austin thought Will Anderson was going to bring that kind of punch that kind of striking ability. Because you look at Will Anderson right now, and he's still 235, 240. Deculus is in excess of 300 pounds. Deculus sees that guy drop down in front of him on a four-point stance, and he's thinking pancake. And you go back and watch it again, and Anderson absolutely owned Austin Deculus on that fourth down stop. Nice job by Christian Harris there, too on that play. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now at 205-342-9904. Check in with Lance on a Monday morning. Lance, how you doing? Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm doing hey, well. Hey, Lance. Good. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, uh, I have something else I was going to say, too, but you know, you're talking about the uh, linemen, how dominant they were. Man, I noticed that on especially... Uh, Pass protection. There might be one yeah. Alabama lineman hold up one guy, and then he goes to another one, and it's just amazing to me some of those big old guys <laughs> doing that. But yes, they were real well. Yeah, they did. They uh, that was a spick and span pocket for Mac Jones on Saturday night, and it's interesting, Lance, because. They have multiple protections, which tells you they're confident in all those guys. I mean, they do things uh, with gap protections, and they pull linemen in protection. They don't just get up there and sort of form a wall and maybe you know shift the protection one way, slide it this way. They do a variety of things in their protection schemes that make it um, make it difficult it, it, on their linemen. And you know what else is. Their, their tight ends are, are good, too. Their tight ends do a good job in it as well. Well, let, let me say something about the uh, higher South Carolina. I just wanted to uh, say that I remember a long time ago. I'm 74 years old. I remember a long time ago when Bear was leaving here at Alabama, you know, going to retire. They were talking about replacement coaches. Bobby Bowden from Birmingham, he always wanted to coach at Alabama. Well, he was at Florida State, you know, and he had real good teams down there. But back then, they didn't want to hire an offensive-minded coach. Yeah. They wanted defense, a defensive-type coach. All right. <clears throat> Frank Beamer, I think he interviewed for the job down here. And you know the 
one of the big reasons they didn't hire him as a coach because they liked what he did and everything. Of course, you can't, you couldn't come out and say it that much. Was his looks? They felt like that. The administration felt like then that he wouldn't be a good one to be on TV, that sort of thing, because of his looks. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, I, I recall Frank Beamer had a childhood accident, I think it was, that caused you know an, a, a, an issue in his facial features, is I think what was you're referring to I here. I can't remember if it was a fire or what. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've never really heard that part of it as yep. in terms of, you know, why it actually didn't play out with fake yep. Frank Beamer at some point and all the different hiring cycles that, that Alabama be. underwent, uh, especially post Gene Stallings. But, um, guy could flat out coach. He could flat out coach some special teams. That's what I've oh, said yeah. about Shane Beamer. If you could tell oh, me yeah, that his yeah, dad's going to come coach special teams with him or for him. At South Carolina, I'd probably actually feel a lot better about that hire for the Gamecocks. He, he is, you say? No, I said okay. if you could tell me that. Oh, I don't oh, think okay. he is. I think I think Frank's pretty much okay. uh, uh, pretty much retired. And, yeah, I mean, we got Jacob chiming in here. It was like a gasoline fire that exploded, uh, you know, the, the, the situation with, with Frank Beamer many years ago. But – Heck of a coach, and, you know, you'd like to see Shane Beamer get that thing where there's some consistency. Look, if you're at South Carolina, you can win eight or nine consistently. You can stay there as long as you possibly want. The problem is they care enough about football to invest accordingly in their coaches. And so when when, when you can't do that consistently, even even they've got to make a change there. I say this, too. The doctor that set up the sports program there at South Carolina was at Andrews Clinic. I, I went to him for some problems, and um, he, uh, Andrews wanted him to come to Birmingham. He planned on coming down here and stay three years, and he ended up staying seven, but all of his kids were back in South Carolina. He told me now that Lou Holtz would... Uh, he would try to blame everybody for a loss. If they, you know, if the medical staff said this person shouldn't play or whatever, he would blame the doctors for it. Steve Spurrier, he said, you tell him the player couldn't play, well, you're the doctor. You're the doctor. No. He won't play, you know, so. I thought that was interesting, you know, by him saying that. Which is in, which is interesting if, in fact, that was the case, because I think most people would look at that on the surface and think Spurrier, the bigger ego of the two, uh, right. when you talk about right. Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier. Right. Well, that's what I had, Mr. Travis. So, uh, All right, Lance. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. There he goes. Lance with some input on Frank Beamer and the South Carolina job and how that situation might move forward. Hey, the Alabama coaching staff, we're talking about players of the week. Devontae Smith, your SEC Offensive Player of the Week. The Alabama coaching staff has designated 10 players on the roster as players of the week following the win over LSU Saturday night. Probably not a lot of surprises here. Landon Dickerson, we talked about that offensive line, and Landon was certainly a big part of that. I've got my LSU clips thread up over at BamaOnline.com and on the roundtable there. And look, where we were sitting Saturday night, there was a play in which it was like a toss sweep. It was sort of the 2020 version of the student body right because everything's out of the shotgun in 2020, or a lot of it is. And it was the little toss to Najee Harris. And on the play, and on the play, Alabama not only pulls Landon Dickerson out in front, but pulls Evan Neal, the right tackle, out in front as well. And it was a predictable result once uh, Landon got to the second level there. And he got into Damone Clark, 
the inside linebacker for LSU and sent him flying. And not only that, because John Mechie was even in the vicinity, <laughs> Mechie got pancaked too, inadvertently by Landon Dickerson. But Landon Dickerson, one of your offensive players of the week from Saturday night, uh, Najee Harris, uh, after going for 145 in the game, averaged 6.9 yards per carry, three more touchdowns, giving him 20 20 rushing touchdowns on the season, 40 for his career. That's just a couple behind Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry now on the all-time list. Mac Jones, 385 passing yards. Most of that done in the first half when he finished with uh, right around 340. I think it was 338 maybe in the first half. Uh, Mac Jones averaged 13.8 per attempt. Each of his four touchdown passes came from – 20 yards or further, including a pair from 65 and 61. Alex Leatherwood is a player of the week on the offensive side of the ball. If you watch Najee Harris, I think it was the first touchdown of the game. Yeah, first touchdown of the game, first series of the game. Najee with a nice little shuffle cut, gets a little heat early from a crashing defensive end. He makes a nice move, and then from there, you see Alex Leatherwood just take – I think it was poor Damone Clark again, about seven or eight yards into the uh, into the red zone, back to near the goal line. So Alex Leatherwood, one of your offensive players of the week. Of course, Devontae Smith going to be in that group as well. Defensively, Christopher Allen, man, just steady Eddie right now for that Alabama defense at outside linebacker. This is a good sign for the Alabama defense when both of your edge guys pick up player of the week honors, and that's what happened with Christopher Allen. And also Will Anderson, a couple more sacks. He's got three in his last two games now. Ran a really nice tackle-in tackle stu- tackle stunt there with Christian Barmore. Barmore ended up getting credit for the uh, strip of, uh, of Finley. Uh, but you're starting to see some more organic sort of pass rush when you start incorporating Christopher Allen and Will Anderson and Christian Barmore. Byron Young, a guy who continues to sort of fly under the radar, but disruptive. Patrick Sertan II is one of your Alabama players of the week on the defensive side of the ball. Really didn't get challenged much. It was another busy night for Josh Job. Josh took a couple lumps, had the busted coverage there on Boutte, along with Daniel Wright at the safety position, communication breakdown there. But I thought Job rebounded well too came back with a sack couple pass breakups but Patrick Sertan the second he had a pass breakup in the game and again not a guy that uh, LSU looked to challenge much special teams Ali Caho for his work on specials had a tackle on kickoff coverage I think Drew Sanders had a couple of tackles on kickoff coverage or maybe one on kickoff coverage and maybe he got in the game I don't know I think it was I think it was special teams for Drew Sanders too um and Will Reichard Will Riker now 10 of 10 on field goals after kicking two more against LSU Saturday night and 59 of 59 on PATs. You saw Chase Allen doing your kickoffs on Saturday night for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Those are your Alabama players of the week from the UA coaching staff. Going to step aside for a final break. We come back more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Cool and breezy today with a sunny sky, the high 52. We go below freezing late tonight, clear with the low at 30. And a warming trend tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow 56, the high Wednesday at 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. We're talking winners and losers 
as we typically do on Monday programs. Gave you Henry Ruggs III, the former Alabama wide receiver with the game-winning deep ball against the hapless, winless Jets of New York yesterday. Uh, Around the SEC, Arkansas didn't win the game against Missouri, but we were all winners for that one, weren't we? Missouri 50, Arkansas 48. And when you look at this from the Alabama perspective going into this Saturday, a redshirt freshman quarterback for the Hogs in the game, and K.J. Jefferson, Felipe Franks, apparently, according to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, had a rib injury in practice last week. Uh, He went through warm-ups prior to the Missouri game on Saturday, but the decision was made to go with K.J. Jefferson. And uh, Arkansas pretty much kept on rolling offensively. Had a really nice fake field goal in that game, too. But ultimately, Missouri wins it on a last-second field goal. That was probably your SEC Coach of the Year matchup between Sam Pittman and Eli Drinkwitz. And now with Missouri at 5-3, and three, Probably going to be Drinkwitz as your SEC Coach of the Year, I would think. Um, and with Kentucky and South Carolina, Kentucky wins that game 41-18. to Those two teams have completed their regular season. We've asked the question of could these teams get 10 games in. Well, Kentucky and South Carolina already did it. Did it on Saturday. Kentucky at 4-6. and six, Going to make some changes on the offensive side of the ball is Mark Stoops. That's already in motion up there in Lexington. And now South Carolina looks to start the Shane Beamer era following a 2-8 and eight campaign. And, you know, Kentucky's going to a bowl game at 4-6. and six. I don't know if it's Nashville, somewhere like that. But that, uh, that win mandate during the pandemic year has been waived. So Kentucky will look to rest up, recruit up, because – Crazy as this sounds, we got the early signing period next Wednesday getting underway, right? Still going to have teams playing games, uh, but you're going to have that that early period. And Alabama sitting right now with 23 commitments, not a lot of work to be done. Some guys of particular interest in terms of adding to that total prior to next week. Maybe Xavier Worthy. The Californian, the wide receiver, previously committed to the University of Michigan. He's been uh, mentioned a good bit with the University of Alabama. Alabama already with three wide receiver commitments in this class. Could just decide to take Xavier Worthy and cap it there at four. Going to need some playmakers. If Waddle goes pro, Devontae's going pro. Going to need some dudes. Javon Baker, promising future. As a true freshman, we'll see about Treshawn Holden, Tyu Jones-Bell, 2020 class members. Um, but there's room for more. There's always room for more in Alabama with three really good ones already. I'm excited to see in time what Christian Leary brings to the table. Can he bring some of that Jalen Waddle to the table? Kind of a smaller receiver, all-purpose type guy from Central Florida. That sort of get it to him quick, get it to him in space, and he can kind of take care of the rest, he might be that guy in this 2021 haul. But Alabama really just a formality in terms of getting its commitment signed next week and then again perhaps adding another uh, as we get ready for early signing period. And then looking ahead to February, still going to be in the mix. It looks like maybe more so with guys on the defensive side of the ball, Terry and Arnold. Defensive back from Tallahassee, JT Tui Malao. I tried, okay? Big defensive lineman from the Pacific Northwest. One of those guys as well. Uh, Tunisi Adelaide. How am I doing on these? Big defensive end from the state of Texas that Alabama remains involved with. So there's going to be a to-be-continued aspect for sure for this Alabama recruiting class, but most of the heavy lifting will be done by the end of the middle of next week. You're also going to have Alabama men's basketball. It's going to be a good Saturday. It's going to be an active Saturday. 
because you're going to have Alabama, Arkansas at 11 a.m. And then that evening, that night over in Atlanta, Georgia, Daddy, you're going to have Alabama Clemson on the basketball court. That'll be a that'll be a challenge for Alabama. Clemson already with wins over Mississippi State and Purdue. Um, and Clemson going to get Maryland on Wednesday night. So you might want to tune in for that one. Retro ACC matchup with the Terps and the Tigers. Still hard to get used to Maryland in the Big Ten. But you'll have those two on the four. So you'll catch a glimpse of Clemson before Saturday. And uh, you'll get an idea of what this Alabama team has in front of it. And then, of course, Alabama will come home. You'll have a trifecta of games at Coleman Coliseum. A couple of SoCon teams coming in. Furman, East Tennessee State. And, again, another challenge for sure in the form of the University of Houston. So you got some basketball to look forward to as well. It's all coming together on the sports front. Man, before you know it, we're going to be moving into the new year. We're going to be getting ready for Murph and some Alabama softball, some Brad Bohannon baseball. Yeah, it's right around the corner. But coming up first over these next couple of days, it's going to be a lot of Alabama talk. It's going to be a lot of SEC talk. A lot of disgruntled Auburn fans out there right now after watching Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies win by 11 uh, on Saturday down there on the Plains. I got to give credit to Texas A&M because watching that game, it had all the feels of Auburn at home doing its thing again against a top five team. But when Kellen Mond's errant pass or underthrown pass at least went not only off the hands of Zacoby McClain down around the goal line, but off his hands and directly into the hands of Texas A&M tight end Jalen Weidermeyer. Just thought, wow, that's like a reverse. That's a 180 Auburn. That's what Auburn does to everybody else at home in games like this. And from there, A&M was the better team. I mean, A&M was able to run the ball pretty much when it wanted to, controlled the game in terms of time of possession, those things. But you just never say never with the Auburn Tigers on their home field in a situation like that. We're going to get out of here on a Monday. It's been a lot of fun. The Monday lunch whistle, as always, brought to you by Southern Ale House. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there. Get the pimento cheeseburger if it's going today. They're going to have burgers and brews that they do on Tuesday where you're going to have three craft burgers from which to choose. They'll help pair those burgers with a craft beer if you would like them to. They can handle all that for you there at Southern Ale House. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.